Hey there, fellow streakers. We're excited to talk with you today about Yale's happiness professor who says anxiety is destroying her students. She offered a class and that class was filled almost immediately. And since that time has also has a podcast, The Happiness Lab, which has been downloaded more than 64 million times. Let's start streaking. How are you, Jamie? Good morning, Jeff. I'm great. This is kind of an interesting article, isn't it? Yeah, this was really interesting. Where did you find this article? So I found this article. I was um, reading Elder Jeffrey R. Holland's talk on, um, I don't know, it was on happiness, but he referenced this in his talk. Okay. And so I went out and looked at it, and I thought, wow, this is kind of cool. Very good. Yeah. So it's called Yale's Happiness Professor Says Anxiety is Destroying Her Students. Right. So and she it's a offered, New York it's a New York Times article by That's what I was asking. Yeah, David Marchese. Or Marchese. Marchese? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll go with either. <laughs> he might be cheesy, but I bet it's a Marchese. Marchese, you think so? I, I'll go with what you say there. Absolutely. So the class that she offered was called Psychology and the Good Life. And the first year that the class was offered nearly 25% of the undergraduate student body enrolled in the class. How come you think? I mean, what was it that would... I don't know, but there's a picture in this article that shows her giving, her a, lect- giving a lecture. And it's like like a, like a stand-up comedian that you would see. It's like this huge lecture hall with a balcony, and there's just hundreds of students in this, cl- in this lecture class. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And obviously, well, he references that in the article, that he's like, well, that's great that so many people wanted to... He said you could see that as a positive, that all these young high achievers looking to learn scientifically corroborated techniques for living a happier life. Or he said you could also see it as something melancholy, that all these young high achieving students are looking for something they've lost or, or never found. Yeah. So what do you think? I mean, do you... Do... I think it's both. Yeah? I think it's both. I think there's... I think, I think the draw to be happy is a draw that we all have. I'm I'm just and thinking about can, that as far as absolutely. If I mean, we can learn techniques how to be happier, then we're like, yeah, I'm all in. Or are there times that people are like, yeah, I don't feel happy. Someone help me. In our world, and I think this is one of the things that the article references as well, and we'll get into the depth of the article here in just a second. But I, for me, what I think is we're always comparing our own happiness to someone else's happiness. And if they look happier than I am, then I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. Would you say that? Yeah. And I think that happiness is a, I had a little cross stitch that I used to keep in the bathroom that said, happiness is like a butterfly. Isn't that you, where all great quotes are kept? In the bathroom. <laughs> in the bathroom. <laughs> happiness, let me see if I can remember it. It was like, happiness is like a butterfly. If you try to catch it, it's elusive. But if you just sit quietly, it'll land on your shoulder. It'll come to you. It'll come to you. Well, and I think that some of the science corroborates that. So let's let's get into the article, shall we? Yeah. So there's a couple of things here, first of all, that um, gets asked uh, that basically, and it looked like this was a conversation as far as this I article is concerned. I read the end of it and it was, a two, it, was, it was a conglomeration of two conversations that they put together in one article. Uh-huh. I'm going to be honest, they didn't do the best job of that because there's a little bit of it that doesn't make sense. Sometimes the questions you're like, you didn't translate that right. So there's something there, but you get the basic gist of the mm-hmm. of the article. So what she was saying, so there was a, a question that he asked of her about how she was feeling a little bit burned out. And she, and she said this as far as yells. And what is her name? We have um, Lori Santos. Yes, Lori yeah. Santos. So Lori, she, he asked Lori a question and Lori 
um, responded as far as why she was taking a leave of absence. And she said this, I'm not, tr uh, she says, I took a leave of absence because I'm trying not to burn out. I know the signs of burnout. It's not like one morning you wake up and you're burnt. You're noticing more emotional exhaustion. You're noticing what researchers call depersonalization. You get annoyed with people more quickly. I, sorry, I had to pause there. I just thought of myself on the road sometimes. <laughs> is that is that an indication that I'm burning out is because I get annoyed with people very quickly. You're on my road. <laughs> I love the premise of this question, though. The, the person asking the question basically is saying, if the happiness professor is feeling burned out, what hope is there for the rest of us? The premise of the question is that if you're a professor that's teaching about happiness, you should be happy all the time and never be burned out. I think there's a flaw in the in just right there exhibits a major flaw in in the line of thinking. Yeah, I haven't even, you're I ha you're yeah. a happiness expert, therefore you should be happy all the time. And I hadn't even considered that premise because you're right. I mean, nobody is happy all the time. Hmm. And anybody who is putting some level of effort into their life is going to bump up against getting burned out. Yeah. And so I feel like what she is saying is, look, this is this is part of being human. This is part of going through life and recognizing the signs and then doing something about it. The answer isn't always to push through. Yeah. So she said when she starts to feel, you know, immediately assume someone's intentions are bad, you start feeling ineffective. And she's and she goes on. These are some of the signs that basically mm -hmm. look at and say, I may not, I, I may be getting burned out. And therefore, to your point, I if my happiness meter is always at a hundred percent, that may indicate that something else is wrong, or I'm yeah. trying too hard. Or I, I, well, I look at it. They they talk a lot about your emotional bucket and deposits and whether or not your bucket is full or empty. And I think in life, isn't it more? recognizing that there's times that your bucket is full and there's times that your bucket is empty and they require different levels of action, but not to expect that a bucket should always be, your emotional bucket's always going to be full. You, you use it, you right. use it for things. Yeah. And so when you use it, it depletes and then you have to do things that replenish it. And that's what I feel like she's saying is, is if you get, if, if you're overwhelmed or you're feeling burned out, both of those are in my mind, you've been using your bucket. A yeah. lot, and that yeah. you're you're in a time or a period where you've been using more than 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 filling, mm -hmm. and so you're getting to the bottom. And overwhelmed or burned out means okay, now your your scoop is scraping the bottom of that barrel. Mm -hmm. There's not much left. You're gonna have to step away for a little bit from this level of performance, maybe, and take some time to refill that bucket. And when you consider what refilling the bucket looks like, I think that's where there's a difference in what I think refilling the bucket is and what science has actually said refilling the bucket is. So what I mean by that, I'm feeling burned out, I'm feeling stressed, I'm uh, easily annoyed by people around me. I have all of those signs and what do I wanna do? I wanna sit on the couch and binge watch my favorite show for as long as possible. Mm -hmm. However, science indicates that that's not what I should be doing. Right, there's a part that she says that um, our minds are lying to us. I thought that was great <laughs> that when was she good. says that. I did too. We have strong intuitions about things that will make us happy. And we use those intuitions to go over, to go after that stuff, whether it's more money or changing circumstances or buying the new iPhone. But a lot of those intuitions, the science shows are not exactly right or are deeply misguided. That's why we get it wrong. I know this stuff. 
but my instincts are totally wrong. After a busy day, I want to sit and watch crappy Netflix TV shows, even though I know the data suggests that if I worked out or called a friend, I'd be happier. But to do that, I have to fight my intuition. We need help with that, and you don't get it naturally, especially in the modern day. This is where my streaking alarm bells were going off in my mind. Mm -hmm. As I read that, first of all, looking at it and saying, I have to fight my intuition. The other way I look at that is I have to fight my natural tendencies. Yes. And my natural tendencies are to be at rest. Yep. I look at the laws of physics and an object in rest wants to remain at rest unless acted upon by an outside force. But there, But I have to fight if I want to do something different than my natural tendencies. And this is one of the areas where you and I started really to talk about task initiation and being able to look at streaking as something that would allow us to overcome natural tendencies. And so I think that that is, here again, is another example of what I need to do. Now, how do I do it? How do I do it? And that's where the first law of streaking really came in is what, so for example, when she's saying here, we need help with that, we don't get it naturally. What is it that we need help with? Call a friend, I'd be happier. Um, Worked out, I'd be happier. So what's the streak then that takes care of that? What What is the thing that I do in order to make that happen? Right. Reach out to one person daily in some way, text message or, and, and all of these things, that's what I was thinking about is earlier when we were talking about the an, a depleted bucket and refilling your bucket. The thing that's great about streaking and that I've loved is that in the past, when I would read things like this, you think it has to be this. The, the pendulum swings big. In other words, I've completely emptied my bucket and I've got to completely fill it back up. It's these big things that you have to make time for and carve out and find a way to make possible. And that can seem impossible in life. You're like, okay, yeah, I would love to drop everything and go to Hawaii for a week and rest and refill my bucket. Who wouldn't? But how often is that possible in the moment when you're feeling overwhelmed and when you're feeling overburdened and burned out. And so these big things that we think we have to do to fill the bucket aren't always possible in that moment. And streaking answers that question, I feel like, where it's like, okay, but there are small things that you can do consistently, consecutively, daily, that are filling your bucket drop by drop, Mm -hmm. which will enable... So maybe it's not going to be a full gushing overflowing, but you're consistently dripping into that bucket. I remember when we first built a house and we put in a um, sprinkler system and we chose to put in a drip system. We did a lot of research on a drip system and and it talks extensively about how small continuous drips actually deliver more water with less waste than huge overpowering sprayers in a sprinkler system. Yeah. So it's that same concept that streaking allows a small continuous drip system in your life that will combat this this allowing yourself to be completely drained. Right. As as you say that, I keep on thinking to myself, so for example, here I'm going to make a con- I'm going to contact at least one person daily. Mm-hmm. Right? which may be a friend, or I may even specify to that, I'm going to contact at least a friend or a family member daily. And that could be via text message, via phone. I'm going to reach out to them in some particular way. What I see here, and I think that what I would add to what you're saying is to make sure that it's consecutive. Because 
I can be consistent in, let's say, for example, the message or the reach out. I consistently use text or I consistently use a phone to reach out to someone. It's the consecutive muscle that's critical here to the happiness quotient. I'm doing it at least one time daily. I'm consecutively doing it, which is what, to your point, the drops. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's every, it, the, the consecutiveness of the drop is the critical part of this. And that's the muscle that we're really building up. That's the, that is, and I know I've said this a lot in our podcasts as we've gone forward, because it's been something that has really been hitting home to me. A lot of people will say, I'm going to be consistent in that, but it's not a consecutive behavior. And therefore you don't really get the benefit of the of the consecutive drops. And so that's where I look at streaking as I'm going to do something laughably simple every day. I'm going to keep track that I did that thing, which would be, and by the way, I, I have a streak like this, which is to reach out. I have it to connect with at least one of my children daily. I mean, and we have seven children, so there's a lot of opportunity. I also look at it and think, and I can do that with a friend as well if I needed to. I agree. You say consecutive muscle, and I think of constant level of awareness that that by having it be something that I'm doing consecutively every day, I am purposely intentionally raising my own personal awareness to that thing every day, even in a small way. Mm-hmm. They talk a lot about the 80-20 rule that, what is it, 80 or 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Correct. And and I had it, um, in our church, we have what we call a ministering program, which is you have people that you're specifically meant to kind of keep an eye out for and make sure that they're doing okay. And I had a friend one time, talk, we were talking about this this ministering opportunity, and I was commenting a little bit that sometimes it's hard because I feel like I always should be doing more. And she said, you know, I look at it like the 80-20 rule. She goes, you are there 80% of the time, you're just checking in on them and making sure that everything's okay. Like you just ping it, so to speak. But she goes, you're doing that so that the 20% of the time that they really need you you're aware of it. You're there because you've been pinging it. I thought that was so good. And I think of that a lot with streaking that 80%, and I don't know if the 80-20 is the right percentage, but the- It usually is. The it gives the visual. Works. Yeah. It gives the visual that 80, sometimes 80% of the time, I'm just, I'm doing my streak consecutively. I'm not so focused on the, the thing, but because I'm doing it consecutively, that 20% when it's really something big, I'm aware of it and I'm present when that 20% comes up. Right. And so I have some big examples of times where I'm like, wow, that big thing happened, but only because the other 80% of the time you I was just pinging it. I was there. consecutively doing it, but it wasn't big. It yeah. really was very, very small. Right. But you're consecutively, you're, you're, you're doing it every day. It just raises that awareness that when that 20% happens, you're, you're there and you capitalize on it in the moment because you've been doing it every day. So without knowing the science, both of us not really knowing the science, how come binge watching a show doesn't refill the bucket? It just it just basically from your own experience, because I'm thinking of it from my own experiences. You think about that. Uh, here's Here's what I come to as far as why it doesn't fill my bucket is what I find is that 
I'll go back to when when we were raising little kids and they would fight with each other. Mm-hmm. Sitting them down and having them say, for example, just sit on a stair or something like that did not do as much for them as scrubbing the baseboards. All right, you're working. You get to work. For whatever reason, and I'm sure that there's science behind this, but just taking it from my own personal experience, sitting on the couch and binge watching the whatever my series show is, does not ref- it, it's an escape, but it's not really a refreshment or replenishment or anything else. Whereas one of these two things, for example, working out. So one of my streaks is to run or walk at least one mile daily with you. And I look at that and consecutively doing that has helped me at times. For example, you and I yesterday went on a five mile walk. At the end of the day, yeah. And it was the end of the day. And I was really tired and I wanted to sit down and just watch a show. Yes. But we went on the five mile walk. And wasn't it fun as we went through that walk, we were just that it was like it took like a half a mile in and then all of a sudden it's like the floodgates opened of things that we were talking about and fun things that we had coming up, fun activities that were coming up and just started to really a, flow with the conversation. It's a different enough it's a difference of feeling a, a replenishment versus and I don't know, as you're talking I'm thinking binge watching Netflix for a prolonged period of times is a little bit in my mind kind of like eating cotton candy in hopes that you get full. It's just, there's not much there. <laughs> okay, wait a second. We got to highlight that one. That was good. Binge watching Netflix is like eating cotton candy in hopes that you'll get full. Yeah, there's, that I mean, great. in the moment, yeah. it's sweet, but but honestly, there's not much there. I mean, when you take cotton candy and you put it in your mouth, it disintegrates quickly. And if you eat, if you do a lot of it, you, you feel sick. And I often feel that same way at the end of binge watching. I think it's going to be like, okay, I'm going to be rested. But you don't feel rested per se. You feel a little bit like, hmm, you feel groggy. Right. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Totally. And, and so, and I'm not, and I'm not saying you should never watch TV or oh, well, but we came home never, and watched, I mean, yeah, we still watched the show last of, night. You know, that we, it's like, that we're like one and a half. Even, even after, was it one and a half? Yeah, I it think wasn't it was, too much. I think it was three. I think it was three. Where three is episodes. the part in the article where she talks about that that being happy takes a little bit of effort, takes work, that so it's that's, hard. So that's where we're getting to. So okay. one of the things, so both, so you know, if you've been listening to Jamie and I for a long time, you know that we're both members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and we're religious people. And one of the questions that um, that David asks Lori, because that's David, yeah, that David asks Lori, is around religious connection. So in other words. A lot of stuff we know can have a positive effect on happiness, developing a sense of meaning, connection with other people, meditation, and reflection. So I, I went by that really quickly, but we're going to go into it in just a second. And then he says, are commonplace religious practices helpful, right? And can non-religious people apply these as well as religious people? And then she answers in this way. There's a lot of evidence that religious people, for example, are happier in a sense of life satisfaction and positive emotion in the moment. But is it the Christian who really believes in Jesus and reads the Bible, or is it the Christian who goes to church, goes to the spaghetti suppers, donates to charity, participates in volunteer stuff? Turns out, 
to the extent that you can disengage, disentangle those two, in other words, just look at it and say... To me, that's a little bit like two colors of Play-Doh being mixed together and trying yeah, to separate them. Yeah. You're like, that's going to be tough. That's but... going to be tough. It seems not to be our beliefs, but our actions. And what I would say, our beliefs drive our actions. That's, that's kind of where I'm at. They're, that are driving the fact that religious people are happier. That's critical because what it tells us is if you can get yourself to do, do it... it. To meditate, to volunteer, to engage with social connection, you will be happier. Okay, I just got to stop right there. You have a streak. I have a streak to meditate. It's prayer, prayer right? right. I, and, and that is a streak that I am absolutely conscious of every single day, you know? And to volunteer, we both have a streak around that. Engage with social connection, we both have... Uh, there's several different little streaks around that. But each one of those are contributing to you will be happier, but it's about the doing. I love that it's like, it's not about beliefs, but our actions that are driving the fact. If your belief isn't leading to action, then then it's not really a strong enough belief. The whole point of, a, of the belief system is to motivate you to do something with it. I'm reminded of our podcast last time where we talked about grace. And again, they were like, grace is still meant to be an action. You still need to do things. Mm-hmm. And so there is a common theme here that that the doing has huge amounts of impact. And so, and I, I look at myself and I'm like, my belief system in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is strong and runs deep, yet I still need to set streaks to get me to do those things, okay. to, to have that consecutive, because I know the doing is what propels that belief. It's what propels me to to believing these things that I know are true. You do them and then you're like, okay, yeah, that's true. Okay. Can I tell you one of my favorite podcasts is Unashamed and it's the Duck Dynasty guys that do Bible verses. Mm-hmm. Basically, they do Bible study and it's um, Phil, who's the dad, Al, who's one of the sons, and Jace, who's one of the sons. And they just talk about the Bible. Right now they're in Corinthians and it's a lot of fun to listen to them because first of all, they're Southern, um, at Louisiana is where they live. And they just, they have insights into Bible verses and into living life that are really interesting and engaging. Well, one of the, one of the ones I was listening to, they were talking about the difference between the Christian that goes and sits in the pew and the Christian that's out and doing. And they're saying, you can be it unengaged, and I hopefully I get this right, you can be totally unengaged while you're sitting in the pew at church. And in other words, you go, you sit there, and then you come back, but you're really not involving yourself or getting in uh, immersed. That's the word I'm looking for. Immersed in service or in the scriptures or in any of those things. And then he said, and then you can be one that is like studying and learning. One, you want to go and be entertained and say, fill me up. And that's kind of, honestly, that could be just like watching Netflix. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of entertaining pastors out there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that you will listen to that are great speakers, excellent orators. And you think, wow, that was really great entertainment for a little bit, but go away, not really being filled. Whereas you can go and listen. And then like what you said, go and start doing, be it meditation, service, spaghetti dinners, connection, and all the and any of those things, which is where again I get back to the okay. So how do I ensure that I'm doing those things, and that's why I have a streak. 
And that's what, as I've read through this article, the laws of streaking have just been just there pow, for me. Just popping out, aren't they? In the they? sense that make start by doing something, and to do that, you make it laughably simple so that you can be consecutive, consistent, so that you can have those drops being continually added no matter where, what life is throwing at you, then, at, at you. Keep a record of it so that you know that you've done it. And then this third part um, is community. Churches offer a huge amount of community. Huge community. And a lot of organizations recognize that community is a huge part of sustainability in an organization. We need people. And being in a community and lifting each other up, we learn, we grow, we gain perspective from being around other people people. Which is another reason why we were so adamant that the app itself, the streaking app itself, needed to have a community portion of it, a social platform where you could start to share what it is that you're going through, whatever your streak is, and however you're you're manifesting it. I just saw a streak yesterday that um, hit 100 days of budgeting at least one financial transaction. And I was so excited for that individual and so happy for them. And that's where that sense of connected, connected connection comes along, along with the celebration. Right. The other thing, this article answered another question that we get so often, which is and it's similar anyway, but the question that they ask um, the, the professor, what is her name again? I should know. Lori. Lori Santos, Professor Santos, is if you accept these things, like you accept meditation you accept um, having more gratitude in your life, are you going to become complacent? Mm. Do these practices lead to complacency? Yeah. Um, and don't you need some of these emotionally detrimental things in your life in order to achieve? Yeah. In other words, don't we need to have anxiety? Don't we need to be comparing to others in order to, to be achieving? Yeah. And she has a really interesting answer. She says, people have looked at this in the context of things that we worry about when it comes to complacency. Huge problems from anti-black violence to the climate falling apart. In other words, well, she goes on and says, we need people to recognize these issues, get angry and take action. That's what they're saying is that if we don't have that emotional component, there won't be any action. There's a worry that maybe if you follow these practices, you'll be so complacent <laughs> that's kind of funny we'll all be so relaxed and happy we won't do anything <laughs> we, won't, we just won't do anything we'll just be <laughs> looking around enjoying life that hey, you'll hey, let, how are you I'm well so you'll good. let california burn and let horrible social justice violence violations continue there's some there's been some lovely work on this by constantin oh i butchered that name Kostadin. yeah Kostadin kushlov yep who's a positive psychologist who has been interested in do these practices make you complacent when it comes to the big issues? And what he finds, again, I'm still reading the article, what he finds is that the people who self-report the highest positive emotions, they're the ones who are taking action. This comes up in other domains too. There's evidence that people who experience more gratitude have a high level of what's called self-regulation, kind of like sucking it up and doing the hard things now. There's also evidence that people who are more grateful are more likely to do things for other people. I think of Laurel's streak right there. Yes. Send at least one grateful text daily or or one grateful message or thought daily. And she's at like 1,200 days or something like that. And she is one of the happiest people I know. Exactly. And and again, it's this idea, and and we've probably read about it or heard about it in lots of other things, that... The idea that, well, if I, I'm just waiting to get motivated and then, I'll, and then I'll go out there and do those things. I'm waiting for the motivation to come. 
And we've been told so many times, go and do it first. And then the motivation comes. Right. And that's what I feel like is being said here is that by participating in these actions, you will be motivated to do more of these things. It won't create complacency. So again, doing these small things really do make a difference. It's the floor that you stand on. And when you're standing on that floor, then you can reach for the bar. You're going to be reaching and 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 going out and looking at these problems and being like, hey, what can we do? Right. And, she says here right at the end, when you do have some positive emotion, you have the bandwidth to deal with other things. Exactly. That's where I believe that I am not of the opinion that anger is going to change things. Anger may bring a little bit of awareness, but I think that anger typically leads to not good results. Seems more of like a knee-jerk reaction rather than a thought-out mm -hmm. something that's going to last. Something that is going to be there. It's a reaction Re rather than change. a response. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Reactive more than responsive. And and reactions, I mean, you look at nuclear reactions. Those are usually not or, good. That decimates everything. Yes. When you're reacting to a medicine versus responding to it, those are... Those are two do, totally, do, totally different, different things. things. If you're reacting to it, that means you've got hives all over. That's not working the way that it should. And yes. you need to. You're having an allergic abandon. reaction. Exactly. Always bad things. Whereas if you look at it and say, we need to respond to these things. What then happens is we have the opportunity to really consider what it is that's happening and how we can raise that particular issue, whatever it is, to a higher level and get rid of whatever the injustice is, whatever mm -hmm. the... Um, whatever is causing the problems, but we do it in a way that raises the level of conversation, not diminishes it and brings right. it to a level that is just, you know, anarchy and violence. Right. That's, that's not, and what I appreciate, the reason why I said at the end there is you do have positive emotion, you have the bandwidth to deal with other things. What that indicates to me is, and I think of this in my own life and other people that I've interacted with, the people who are happy that are doing so the things that help them be happy, they are able to absorb much more and look at it in a way that's different, whatever this situation is, that's, that's different than what they have before. Mm -hmm. And that absorption then gives us the opportunity to respond. Yes, and to handle things in a, in a much more proactive, intentional way of living life right. rather than a reactive. So kind of a metaphor that's coming to my mind and it's probably an awful one, but it's one. I think, you know, stuntmen when they jump off a roof mm -hmm. and they're falling and think about if the pad that they were falling onto was a foam pad, that would hurt when the, it's still a pad, but it would hurt. I'm falling long distance. But when they, when they jump off the building, the stuntman, and they land in a pad that gives... You see what I mean? It, yeah, it slows it them down. Of... It has the give. It's a great big air mattress and the air evacuates as the person, you know, smacks mm -hmm. and lands on there. They're able to land without harm. And that's what I see as each one of us, as we have the capacity to be able to let some air out, to be able to, when someone is coming straight at us and striving to hit us hard, that stump man is coming right at you and hits you. What then happens is you're able to let some air out. I think of it as I mentioned earlier, driving on the road. When someone cuts you off on traffic, whenever, whatever it is, that's coming straight at you. And if I'm able to 
have these positive emotions. I've been able to do the meditation that I had for the day or the prayer that I had Mm -hmm. for the day or the scripture study or this connection with someone. I'm able to let some of that out and be able to respond to it correctly. Right. Not in a way that is brash, violent, and immediately, you're cutting me off. Right. And that's uh, so many of the, when we talk to streakers, so many of the streaks that people start with do have something to do with their own personal self-care. Yeah. Something that is important, but not urgent. Something that's not going to happen unless you're intentionally choosing to do it, which can be really hard when life gets so busy. And so having these streaks in place allows you to consistently be, in essence, what I hear is putting air into that into that landing space so that when you need to use it, you've got some. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not empty and you're hitting the concrete or it's not so rock hard. Exactly. Same thing. And so. So she goes on here to talk about social media. She does. Which is always one that comes up as far as social media is concerned. Um, Social media has provided this platform where people can represent themselves as close close to reality, but it's really counterfeit. Hmm. In other words, I took 100 pictures and chose the best one to put on my social media platform of whatever it was. I'm just waking up. Well, wow, those pouty lips look great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I took 100 pictures to get that particular picture. So what happens is it's or, a counterfeit. Go ahead. Or a, or, or a snapshot in time where it looks like your life is amazing and you're doing this 24-7. Mm-hmm. When in actuality, you're like, no, that was one hour out of 24 that looked amazing. But the other 23 were pretty tough. <laughs> they were pretty tough. But you're not seeing that. You're seeing that moment in time and assuming that that's their life, that it's this, that it's this way. And we talk about this a lot. We meaning society. We talk about society a lot. And I think we talk about it a lot because we all have to constantly be reminded that there's a part of this that's not 100% reality. We are not seeing the whole picture when we look. And then some of it that's not reality at all. Yeah. Depending on... So so can I read something to you? Mm -hmm. This is... um, So we've been working on The Streaking Professional, which is the next book uh, that we're publishing. And I have a little piece here that I want to read. This is this is rough draft, but I thought, you know, our streakers, they could listen to it and see what they think. And it's in regards to social media and the proper and correct use of social media. So hear me out for just a second. Again, rough draft, everyone, but I just wanted to share it a little bit. Virtual reality. And I'm quoting now from the book that we're working on, The Streaking Professional. In the movie, Ready Player One, the world has adopted virtual reality as the way to interact with each other. Every real world person is represented by a virtual world avatar. The virtual world called the Oasis is whatever you want it to be. It doesn't matter who you are in the real world. You can choose to be whoever you want to be in the Oasis. The creator of the Oasis, James Halliday, in the book, realized, though, that what he created was a cheap imitation of life. No matter how wonderful you were in the virtual world, it didn't translate into excellence in the real world. People would stay virtual and ignore spouses, children, and friends. In one scene, a mother is so caught up in the oasis, she is annoyed by the continual nagging of her son, who is trying to warn her that the stove is on fire. She swats him away and then is angry when she loses her online character in a fight scene. The irony is that she is losing her family with no one firing at her. 
The movie ends in a scene with James Halliday telling Wade Watts, who's the other, who's the hero of the movie, Wade Watts, that the reality is, or quote, reality is the only thing that is real. Which brings me to the point. Social media is not necessarily real. It's a close approximation of what is real, but it isn't real. In social media, you can represent yourself as happy all the time, never facing any problems and waking up with the perfect pouty lips. This is not real. No one is happy all the time. Problems plague each one of us and no one wakes up with a perfect pouty lips and hair perfectly done. The pictures are of real people perfectly staged. This false reality brings empty returns. Now, in stating the woes of social media, I don't want to paint it as an all-out evil. It's not. When used to truly represent reality, social media connects us to people that we otherwise wouldn't have found. Seeking out social communities can propel you forward in your journey to become who you want to be. How, though, do you find these communities? How do you find people who represent reality, not a close counterfeit? One of my favorite verses in the Bible is, By their fruits ye shall know them. You know a tree by the fruit it bears. An apple comes from an apple tree, a peach from a peach tree, and uh, and the fruit it bears. Let's see here. You know the tree by the fruit it bears. Similarly, you know people by the actions they do on a consistent and consecutive basis. You are a writer if you're writing every day. You're a reader if you read every day. You are a musician if you play at least a note every day. If you want to find communities, real communities, find people who are doing every day what you want to do, and you will find a real community. There are many people who will say they are doing things daily and then don't. These are counterfeit communities. In a groundbreaking work on trust, Stephen M. R. Covey shares 13 behaviors of trust and their counterfeits. Interestingly, each behavior has an opposite, which is easy to discern, but the counterfeit behavior is difficult to determine because it approximates very closely the real trust behavior. For example, the first behavior is straight talk. Stephen describes straight talk in this way, be honest, tell the truth, let people know where you stand, use simple language, call things what they are, demonstrate integrity, don't manipulate people or distort facts, don't spin the truth, don't leave false impressions. The counterfeit to straight talk is this, beating around the bush, withholding information, double talk, flattery, positioning, posturing, and the granddaddy of them all, spinning communication in order to manipulate the thoughts, feelings, and actions of others. Another dangerous counterfeit is technically telling the truth, but leaving a false impression. Do you see how the counterfeit uses reality to give the appearance of straight talk, but it's really not? Streakers are people who do what they say every day. They do it consecutively. People are computer scientists, code every day. They have a streak. Aspiring leaders review at least one leadership principle every day. Straight A students study at least once every day. The list could go on and on. On, and what you would see is people doing what they say they do, and the results speak for themselves. So as you look at, when you seek a community, seek one that isn't publishing perfect pouty lips in the flawless days. Don't look for one on Facebook posts and Instagram pictures. Look for the community in streaking, those who are doing and doing it every day. Wow. I love that the... this concept of a real community and real thing. I also, 
It's fascinating to look at and think how close a counterfeit is and why it's so easy to mistake a counterfeit for something real. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, very cool. And she talks about this too when she, social media, she talks about an acronym that she uses or, or researched um, called the WWW. Whenever you have your phone, you're like, what for, why now, and what else? So she says, when you pick up your phone, what was that for? Was there a purpose? Then why now? And did you have something to do? Or were you bored or anxious or fighting some craving? And then what else? And I thought about Megan's, Megan Summerell's streak streak to pick up. So Megan Summerell does um, time organization and prioritizing time we management. Ha- we actually had one streaker um, message us that the podcast that we did with her, they listened to it twice. It was so good. That's, I mean, she is phenomenal. She was great. And one of the things that she had recommended is that being more intentional on your phone and maybe setting a streak to not maybe, but setting a streak to put your, to intentionally put your phone down once a day. Yeah. And I look at this, this is the same thing that you intentionally pick it up and put it down down and asking yourself those questions. What was the purpose? Why now? What for? And, and this idea that we can get sucked into these counterfeits. It's interesting that social media, spending a lot of time on social media can make you think you're being social when in actuality you're ignoring the people around you. And so being aware, self-aware enough to put it down and to realize the real communities that are, are right around and finding those communities that yeah. are bringing you up. And that's why, again, I, I look at it and in the streaking app, you can find those communities. There's the music. This has been great. <laughs> there's a there's a couple of things left. We'll link to her article or to this New York Times article in the in the show notes. Um, you know, because she's asked, "What's the answer as far as being happy?" And we'll tell you right now that setting streaks, especially around those areas that have proven to make you happy, are absolutely the way to go. The what is you want to be happy? The how is set some streaks around the things that you know are going to bring you happiness. Absolutely. Well, thanks everyone for listening in today. We are excited to be with you again next week. Until that point in time, if you have a question for us, you're certainly welcome to reach out at any time. Please email me at Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y at streakingmastery.com or Jamie, J-A-M-I at streakingmastery.com or you can download the app and follow us and many other streakers and see what streaks people are setting and and watch their journey. To do that, go to the Apple App Store or to Google Play at Streaking, S-T-R-E-A-K-I-N-G, and download the app and then go to the communities page and you can follow Jamie at, at Jamie Downs or follow me at Jeffrey Downs or any number like what Jamie said. So until we talk with you again, keep streaking. Keep streaking.